All right, we are so glad you are here tonight. It's going to be a great night at the mine again, and we just encourage you to continue to invite folks. A couple of announcements. Uh, If you were here Sunday, obviously you heard about the whole Edge deal and, you know, being a part of the mine puts you in line to maybe uh, win the the Edge at the end of the year. Uh, And so everybody here tonight that checks in, okay, you will get one of these on your way out. So if you have not checked into the kiosk and you would like to be involved with going for the edge, we would encourage you to check in at the kiosk, all right? And here's what we're asking you to do. When you leave, there will be many folks in the back who will be handing these out. Here's all you need to do. All you need to do is take your name tag off, stick it on there, And then add your phone number and email address to that. Because that's got your name. It's got that you're a part of the mine. So it's got what we need. But then we also would like your phone number and email. And here's one of the primary reasons. Our Fellowship One that has all of our database of all of our people who come here, we've got a lot of like wrong emails or wrong phone numbers and whatever. And we're trying to use this as well to gather accurate information. All right? So... If you want to do that, if you don't want to do the sticker, or somehow this sticker is sacred to you and you want to take it home with you, then just fill it out with a pen, all right, or whatever. So we're going to try to make that easy for you. Now, here's the deal. Next week, next week, anyone that you bring uh, to the mine or who comes to the mine for the first time will also get one of these. So you can go out to your family and friends and say, if you come with me to Bible study next week, You know, you can be in the running for an edge, all right? Uh, So anyway, we'll pass those out to our first-timers next week as well. All right, I don't think there's anything else. Don't forget about the website. Again, I'll be putting, or actually Mike will be putting a new step for the Spiritual Growth Roadmap next week, all right? Uh, We're going to leave each of those steps up for two weeks let you absorb that, and then we're going to move on. And hopefully at the end of the year, you'll have some real cool tools to sort of use to help you get more out of your Bible study and more out of your walk with God. All right? That's what it's all about. And uh, you know where to find me. I'm usually here on Sundays and Tuesdays and the rest of the week. So if I can ever be an encouragement to you all spiritually in your walk with God, that's what I'm here for. I want to do that for you. Because you guys are an encouragement to me. All right. Let's pray. And then I'm going to turn it over to Seth and Phil. And they're going to lead us in some great worship tonight. All right. God, thank you so much for, again, the opportunity we have to be here. I just, just pray that this would be all about you tonight and not about any of us. And, God, we just pray that we have come here tonight with, with receptive hearts, with open hearts, Lord, just to be... Uh, poured into by your spirit and through your word. God, just use tonight to draw us closer to you, to encourage us in our walk with you. Lord, just to refresh us and revive us. Lord, may we just leave here feeling like, Lord, we have met with you and your people. And Lord, we're going to leave here just a little bit different than when we walked in. God, I just appreciate all these folks that come out every Tuesday night. And the Lord are such an encouragement, not just to me and to Seth and Phil, but Lord, to our whole staff, they're just amazed at what you're doing here on Tuesday night. And we give you all the glory for it. And just ask, Lord, that you would continue to spread a hunger for your word 
uh, around this church campus. Lord, just continue to lay it upon more and more people's hearts how important it is that we get into the Word each and every day uh, and get into Bible study so that we can grow in our relationship with You. Lord, take this worship time now, these next few minutes, and just help us to focus on You. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, let's worship the Lord tonight. All right, good evening. We are so glad you're here tonight. And uh, I've been excited to share this passage with you since last week, so I'm glad you're back. Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verse 15 through verse 23 tonight. The last part of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. And for those of you that haven't been here the first couple of weeks, let's just remind ourselves that the book of Ephesians, one of the themes is if God were to define church, what would church look like? If, if we were to let him be the head of the church and, and we were to do church the way God intended for church to be done, what would be happening? What would our role be? All of that. We're going to find out about all that in our study of the book of Ephesians. And one of the things we're going to see tonight is that the church made up of us, we're the church, the body of Christ, that it's to be, one of our priorities of the church is to be prayer. That, that God wants us communing with Him and communicating with Him continually and to learn what that's all about and maybe how to do that more effectively. And as we read verses 15 through 23 tonight, one of the great things we're going to discover is just what Paul prays for and, and the aspects of that and how that relates to our lives and how we even pray for others. Because before I read this passage, I, I just sort of want to set it up this way. I think we all know prayer is important in our lives. It's the lifeblood of, of our relationship with God. And listen... The Bible teaches us that it's great that we pray for the sick. In fact, I thank you for your prayers last Tuesday. So it's good that we pray for the sick. It's good that we pray for those who don't know Christ yet, that they will come to Christ. But it's also very important that we learn the importance of praying for fellow Christians in their spiritual growth and walk with God. In fact, how encouraging would it be to you to know that there's a couple other Christians who are always praying for your spiritual growth in God? I don't know about you, but to me, that would be an encouragement to me. That, that would even be, in a sense, an, an accountability for me to, to keep on growing and to keep on going after God because I know these folks are specifically praying for my spiritual growth. If you study the prayers of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, most of the time, you will find in his prayers that he's not praying for the sick, that he's not praying for those that don't know Christ, but that he's praying for other Christians. And that he's primarily praying that other Christians would grow and mature and deepen their relationship with God. That was Paul's heart. Because as we've always said, salvation in Christ is not the end. It's just the beginning of this wonderful earthly life that God has for us. And then a whole eternity with Him in heaven. 
So with that in mind, please follow along as I read this prayer of Paul's beginning in Ephesians 1, verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you when I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you spiritual wisdom and revelation in your growing knowledge of Him. Since the eyes of your heart have been enlightened, so that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what is the wealth of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the incomparable greatness of His power toward us who believe as displayed in the exercise of His immense strength. This power He exercised in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above every rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And God put all things under Christ's feet, and gave Him to the church as head over all things. Now the church is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. What a prayer. It wasn't terribly long. It took a couple minutes. Which reminds us it's not how long we pray, it's what we say when we pray. But Paul, you see here, zeroes in on the spiritual growth of the Ephesians. And let me say this. A lot of times if we do pray for other Christians, usually it's because they're struggling. But you'll notice here in this prayer that even in verse 15, Paul is saying, you Ephesians are doing pretty good. I've heard of your faith. I've heard of your love. You're doing well, but I'm still praying for you. Because there never comes a point in our Christian life and in our walk with God where somehow the prayers of others aren't valuable. They're always valuable. And it's always good to know that there are people praying for us, especially in regards to our spiritual growth. I mean, we need to do something about it, obviously. But it's good to know that there are people praying for our spiritual growth as well. Now, with that said, I would just like to leave you with this thought before we move through the passage tonight. I hope if you don't have somebody in your life right now that within the next couple of weeks that you will find somebody in your life who maybe already is or who is willing to pray for your spiritual growth. I mean, that's primarily what they're praying for. It's not that they won't pray for physical needs, they won't pray, but there's somebody in your life that you know is going to be praying for your spiritual growth. And then on the flip side of that, that we in turn can be an encouragement to somebody else and that there may be somebody that God is bringing you together with and, and you can say to them, I just want you to know, and I hope this will be an encouragement to you, that every day I'm praying for your spiritual walk with God. I'm praying for your spiritual growth, just like the Apostle Paul prayed for the Ephesian Christians and for us. So let's look a little bit closer now at what Paul has to say. First of all, in verse 15, he talks about hearing about their faith and how encouraging it is as even Christians, even the Apostle Paul, how encouraging it was for him to hear what God was doing in another group of people. 
And can I just say to commend you all and to encourage you all on Tuesday night, as I said earlier tonight, you all are becoming a great encouragement to this entire church and to the staff of this church. When they hear how many people are coming on Tuesday night and how enthusiastic you guys are about hearing the Word of God and coming out and getting together, it's making a difference. In fact, your being here and, and your being a part of something like this may encourage somebody else to come on board as well because they're hearing about what God's doing and they want to become a part of it too. They don't want to be left out. And that's exactly what Paul says about the Ephesians. He says, I heard about... Because remember, Paul wrote this under house arrest. He was a prisoner of Rome. So it wasn't like he could be there with them, but he heard. Because listen, when God's doing something, we don't necessarily need to shout it out ourselves. It's going to get out. People are going to start talking about what God's doing in this group of people and how God is meeting in that group of people and what is happening in that group of people. And that's exactly what Paul says. That's one of the things that defines a church as far as God is concerned. Is that God wants to be so working within this group that people begin to talk about it. That, that there's an energy there and that, and that there's an excitement there about what God is doing in the midst of all of us as He sort of descends upon us in His Spirit. And then you'll also notice He says, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Faith and love go together. And, and when we say we are people of faith, and that we are growing in faith, we're also going to be growing in love, and we're going to be manifesting that love to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And notice Paul doesn't say here just to the select ones that we like. He says love for all the saints. That as God gives us opportunity, we show Christ's love to all the saints. And the reason why faith in the Lord Jesus and love for all the saints is connected in the Bible is because if I truly am trusting Jesus to take care of me and meet my deepest, most inner needs of my life, it frees me to love on others. If I know and I, I'm trusting and I'm believing that Jesus Christ is loving on me, then I can be free to love others. And that's why these two are connected in the Bible. Faith in the Lord Jesus, love for all the saints. And obviously, as God looks down from heaven upon His church, He wants to see a church that's growing in, in their faithfulness and in their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus and a church that's growing in their love for each other. I, I've never come across a verse of Scripture yet in the Bible where God had met a group of people and said, you know what, guys, you love each other so much, you don't need to love each other anymore, you know. That, that our love for each other can always grow. Because let's face it, folks, we battle self every day. And a lot of times, even as a Christian who's trying to follow Christ, I can wake up and, and the day ahead can be all about me, can be all about Jeff. And I can be the center instead of putting Christ and others in that place. So that's important. God wants to see faith. He wants to see love. Then notice this, verse 16. As he begins to talk about his prayer, notice also he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you when I remember you in my prayers. Paul was encouraged by the fact that he had founded the church in Ephesus years ago. He had, in a sense, planted that church there and, and, and he saw the life 
of God begin to grow in that group of people. But it was so encouraging to Paul years later to know that that, that fruit had continued to grow and thrive and, and, and just keep on expanding. And so it was like, thank you, God, for what you are continuing to do with this group of Christians. It was such an encouragement. And I hope as we pray to God that part of our prayer life will always be thankfulness. Thankfulness, obviously, to God for all the blessings He's blessed us with that we've talked about the last couple of weeks in the first 14 verses of Ephesians chapter 1. But even that we can get to the point, hopefully, where we can thank God for particular individuals in our lives. Fellow Christians who've been such an encouragement to us. I know that Jeff Royce wouldn't be where Jeff Royce is in my walk with God had it not been for individuals that God used to encourage me along my walk with God. And, and the same thing is true for all of us. God uses people. And God wants to use people to encourage you. And God wants you to encourage others. And hopefully part of our prayer life is just thanking God that He has sent those folks into our life and that they have been such an encouragement and that we're even encouraged by hearing how they're growing. How they're growing. So he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you when I remember you in my prayers. This also just reminds us that Paul's prayer life was just something that just always was there. It, it was just, it was like breathing. We wouldn't think about going through the day without breathing. And Paul's just, you know, I'm just praying to God. Throughout the day, as I'm just communing with Him. And as, as God's Spirit brings something to my mind, maybe about He reminds me about the Ephesian Christians, even though I'm under house arrest, I just begin to thank God for that. And you'll also notice then that it's not that always are we in the greatest of circumstances in life, and yet we can still be thankful to God because our thanksgiving to God for what He's doing in other people isn't necessarily tied to where I'm at personally. It wasn't like Paul had a pity party and didn't even feel like praying or when he prayed, it was all about himself. Like the very first thing Paul prayed was, God, could you get me out of prison? No, it was about thanking God for what he was doing in the Ephesian Christians. In fact, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but one of the things you learn as we move through the book of Ephesians is Paul recognized that there was a purpose for this. And one of the purposes for him being in prison was actually to encourage the Ephesians. Because... He wanted to show them that just because the world might lock up one of God's great spokespeople doesn't mean that the Word of God is locked up. And that somehow that God doesn't have a purpose behind these trials that we go through. And, and the strength that Paul faced his trials with was encouraging others, including the Ephesians. So, Paul got that. And he wants us to get that as well. And then here's his specific prayer. I, verse 17, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you spiritual wisdom and revelation in your growing knowledge of Him. First of all, the end of verse 17, when God looks down upon His church, He wants to see a group of people who are growing. Growing in their knowledge of Him. Spiritual growth. But let me make this important point. The word knowledge speaks about a very precise and thorough knowledge. A knowledge that is gained through, in a sense, intimate contact. 
In fact, it's the same word that's used in the Old Testament to speak about the sexual intimacy between a man and a woman. Adam knew his wife Eve. Well, that means more than just, you know, hi, how you doing? I'm Adam, you're Eve. There was an intimacy there. So when the Bible talks about a growing knowledge of God, it's talking about a very thorough and the same kind of knowledge that, again, I've talked about this before. We meet somebody, we don't know them hardly at all. But if we begin to spend time together and put energy and effort into that relationship, over the years we get to know each other pretty thoroughly. We know our likes and dislikes, strengths and weaknesses and all these things. The same principles apply to our walk with God and our relationship with Him. The more effort and energy and time and focus that we put into our personal relationship with God, the more precise and thorough our knowledge of God will be, which in turn is going to encourage us to keep on going. Because my Bible teaches me that the more I know about God, the more I'm going to want to know about Him. It's just going to create more of a hunger. Because He's so attractive. He, he, he's so great. He's so good that, that the more I get to know Him and the greater I get to know Him, the more I want to continue to know Him more. It just sort of drives me even closer. And so Paul says the church should be a place where we're growing in our knowledge of God. But then notice he also says, I want the Lord to give you a spiritual wisdom and revelation in your growing knowledge. Which again reminds us that this growing knowledge is not something that sits up here in our head. As I always say, the Bible's not for information, it's for transformation. Because wisdom is not the biggest intellect. As I said, wisdom, spiritual wisdom, is not the person who has the highest IQ. Wisdom in the Bible is skillful living. It's being able to learn biblical principles and the Word of God, and then be able to apply them at the right time, at the right situation, in the right way. That's wisdom. So it's very practical, it's very applicable to my everyday life, so that as I'm growing in my intimate knowledge of God, in that precise and thorough knowledge, it certainly is going to make a difference in the way I live. And that's part of what Paul prays. Not that just the Ephesian Christians come together and gather around God's Word and learn more about God, but it makes no difference in their life. But that they would grow in wisdom and revelation, insight, understanding of God, of His plan, of His purposes, of His ways. And this is what Paul prays for, for the Ephesian Christians. Then, verse 18, since the eyes of your heart have been enlightened... I don't know about you, but I didn't know my heart had eyes. But again, Paul's not talking about the physical organ that pumps blood. You see, in the Bible, the word heart stands for the very core of our being as a human being. Who we really are. In fact, if you get even a little bit more specific, I'll use one word. The word will. W-I-L-L. It's like when we say, uh, we see somebody doing something and we say something like, oh, their heart's not in it. You know, they're, they're doing something, they're going through the motions, but the will's not there. It's not, you know, it's just, they're not engaged. And that's what the heart is. 
And so what Paul here is, is, is very importantly saying is that hopefully through our growing knowledge of God, the eyes of our heart are going to be enlightened to the point where it's not just that we know what God is all about and what God wants from our lives and for our lives, but that our will is willing to bend to His will. Just as Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane as a great example to us, Lord, not my will, but Your will be done. And that really is the heart. Now, if you want to talk about the emotional part of man, the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, uses another organ, if you will. The bowels. Or the intestines. Because we all know when our emotions are upset, guess what gets physically affected? You know? Or if you fall in love, guess what gets affected? You know? The stomach gets a little queasy, gets a little turning upside down and whatever. So the ancients always connected certain things with the physical body because of the effect that they all had on each other. As we say... The spiritual part of man, the physical part of man, the emotional part of man, all tie together. You cannot separate them. They, they all tie together. So Paul here is saying, I, I'm hoping, Ephesian Christians, that you are growing and that you're getting to the point where not only do you know what God's all about, but that you're willing to surrender your life to God and bend your will to His and know that His way is best. And that the eyes of your heart are being enlightened to that. that. That my way, Jeff Royce's way is not best, but God's way is. And so as I learn more about God and His way for me, I'm not only understanding it, but I'm willing to follow it. And that all goes back to the heart. Because again, I can know what God wants me to do as a Christian. But I don't have to do it. If my will, if the eyes of the heart my heart are not enlightened. And so that's a really important prayer. Because I've been there as a Christian. I've known what the will of God is and not done it and been stubborn and willful. And I know of other Christians who've been there. They knew what God's will was. They wanted to, you know, they knew exactly that they were disobeying God. But it was a battle of the will. And that's why one of the most important things that we can pray for other Christians is, Lord, keep their hearts soft and, and sensitive and tender. Because it's not a matter of the, the greatest Christians are going to be those who can grasp things intellectually. It's going to be the people whose heart is so tender toward God that when God does speak to them, and He can, he can speak to us. He can speak to a fish in Jonah. He spoke to a donkey in the Old Testament. He can speak to us and we can hear Him that we are willing to... Yield to what he's saying to us. That's the most important thing. One of my prayers, just to let you in on one of my prayers before you all gather on Tuesday night and we gather here on Tuesday night is, Lord, whoever you bring here, including myself, help our heart to be tender to what you have to say to us. Because it's not going to do any good to know what you have for us and sit there and leave there and just have that hard heart and go, no. Not me, some other time. Sorry, God. I'm not letting you in tonight. Maybe tomorrow, maybe next week. And then I love this. 
Paul goes on to say, I want your heart to be enlightened, verse 18, so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Wow. Now, again, the Ephesian Christians weren't struggling and they weren't new Christians. They were growing Christians. He'd heard about their faith and love. And, and they already knew about the hope that they had in Christ. Paul's just praying that they would come to have a growing appreciation for the hope of his calling in their life. Let me just break that down a little bit. First of all, we live in a world of hopelessness. We live in a world where hope is not a very positive and, and uh, I don't know, you don't see it a lot. And again, hope in the Bible is confident expectation and anticipation and even enthusiasm and excitement about what God has for us ahead. In fact, that's why he connects the word hope with the hope of his calling. Because what Paul wants the Ephesian Christians to see and, and us to see is that what God has out here for us in the future is all good for us. And if we just keep going after God and following the calling for His life, there's hope there. There's a better day there. There's a brighter day there. There's a new day there. There's a fresh start there. As we just keep moving forward with God, that's the hope of His calling. That the best days with God are always ahead of us if we continue to grow. That's the hope of His calling. That, you know, it's so sad. I love sports. And... uh it's so sad for me to see a lot of these athletes who, in their own mind, the best days of their life are behind them once they retire from professional sports. Because obviously their physical body can't allow them to, to pitch the baseball like they used to or throw the football or catch it like they used to or shoot the basketball like they used to. And so for them, it's almost like they're always looking back to, wow... That was the best years of my life. See, the hope of the calling of God for the Christian is that the best days for the Christian are always ahead of us. And we never have to look at our life no matter where we are with God and go, oh, the best days are behind me. I have nothing to look forward to. No, for the growing Christian, we've always got something to look forward to. And that's the hope of His calling. And especially we know that Part of that calling is that God is calling us up to heaven one day to spend eternity with Him. And if nothing else matters to keep us moving on, that should. Because anything that we experience here is just temporary. And as I've shared with many of my Bible studies, but some of you that are new and you haven't had me at a Bible study more, I'm just going to say it this way. For anyone here on earth that goes through hell, and you're a Christian, you realize this is the only hell you will ever know. And for everyone here on this earth who doesn't know Christ and has some taste of heaven here on earth, that's the only heaven they will ever know. We should rejoice in the fact that, yeah, we've got to go through some tough times here on earth, but that's it. When we get the glory... It's all good. And that's part of the hope of His calling. I hope you'll leave here tonight encouraged to just keep on moving forward in your relationship with God and know that there's hope there. 
There's a better day there. There's a new day there. There's a brighter day there. And you can face each day with that confident expectation that God has a wonderful plan and purpose for your life. And that He's working all these things out for His glory and for your good and my good. Next. And what is the wealth of His glorious inheritance in the saints? Paul's basically saying, Christian, realize how wealthy you are in Christ. Realize how rich you are in Christ. And of course, we really covered all that the first two weeks in verses 3 through 14. So I'm not going to go back and... But acknowledging how blessed we are. That's why he starts out verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. God wants His people to know just in Christ, because here, here's the deal, and we're going to see this a little bit. Jesus Christ has, inherits the whole universe. And if I'm in Christ, then guess what? God is willing to share that with me. And, and so everything that Christ has, He wants to share with His children. And, and we inherit all that. What, what great wealth of an inheritance we have. And He just wants to remind us of that. He doesn't want his children to feel like paupers. He wants us to understand the great riches that we have in him. And can I just say that one of the greatest riches God gives to his people are things that a lot of times we don't look at and count as being wealthy. First of all, in this world today, the peace of God that passes all understanding is more valuable than any amount of money Because, folks, the number one thing that I deal with as a pastor and counselor, and you know anything about the psychiatry field and psychology and counseling field, you know today that what people are looking for more than anything else in their life is peace, peace of mind. So if if you're in Christ and you're experiencing that peace, that many people are paying fortunes to, to try to go to people and find, how can I have this peace of mind that that, that I'm just full of knots and angst every day of my life, and I can't even enjoy life because I don't have any peace, then we need to realize, wow, that's a huge gift that God gives me. Joy. I mean, we could go on and on. The spiritual riches that we have in Christ are just beyond compared to anything of this earth. And he wants the Ephesian Christians to begin to understand just how wealthy they are in Christ. And then, verse 19, talk about practical. And what is the incomparable greatness of his power toward us who believe? The Ephesian Christians already know about his power. The Christians here at Cornerstone Christian Fellowship and who are part of the mind already know about God's power. But Paul's prayer is that as we grow in our knowledge of God, that we will even come to understand God's power in an even greater way. And realize that, first of all, it's incomparable. There's no power like God's power. And that this power is available to us. In fact, that's how God God wants... His church to be a place of power. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 19, Paul says, The kingdom of God is not an idle talk, but it's in power. And when God is in a group of people and His Spirit is moving and He's doing something, there's power there. Power that can be felt and sensed through 
how God is operating in our lives. And that's exactly what Paul says. And, I, and he says, I want you Ephesian Christians just to, to be aware of the power that you already have. Because you'll notice in this passage, Paul doesn't say pray for power. He doesn't say to God, God, give them more power. He's just asking God to help them become aware of the power they already have. And can I just say amen to that? You as a Christian never need to pray for more power in your life spiritually. I I never need to pray for that. I just need to come to a growing understanding of the power that's available to me and tap into it. That's it. Why? Because I've got the Holy Spirit of God living within me anyway. I don't need any more power. I just need to learn how to tap in and become aware of that power. A power, he goes on to say, that was displayed in the exercise of his immense strength. It's like Paul is saying, God was flexing. And, and that power could begin to be felt. And, and let me say this, if you study the word power in the Greek language, it, it's, it's an energizing power. It's a power that God wants to, to make us aware of that, that will energize our Christian life. Sort of why in the Old Testament even the prophet Isaiah said, we can become weary, everybody can become weary, but those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. And, and, and God's power can energize them. In the historical context of that passage in Isaiah, those people in Israel had been in exile for years. And now God was saying, come on back home. The exile's over. That country that oppressed you and that kept you hostage is no longer. I've broken the power that they have over you, so come home. Come back. Come to the promised land. And many of them over here said, God, we can't make it. That's too far of a journey. That, that's too arduous. That, that's, there's too many obstacles. I'm just going to stay here. But, but God said, but look at what I have for you over here. And don't worry about that journey from here to here. I'm going to energize you. I'll energize the old. I'll energize the young. So that as you make your journey back from exile to the promised land, I'll give you all the energy you need. See, it's a great promise from God that if God is calling you and I to go somewhere with Him, He even gives us the energy to get there. That's pretty cool. And Paul says, I want Christians to become aware of that. Just how much power is available to you. It's so sad that Christians, we have all of the power of God available to us, and yet we live as if we got that much power. When we've got incomparable power, because we've got the power of God. And there is no power greater than God in the universe. And that power is available to us, folks, every day we live our lives. We just have to tap into it. I told this story once a... There was a school, an elementary school in Texas that burned down. And so that it wouldn't ever suffer from fire anymore, they put a state-of-the-art sprinkler system in the school. A week after they got the school reconstructed and got the new state-of-the-art sprinkler system in, the school burned down. And here's why. Because somebody forgot to hook this wonderful sprinkler system up to the water system. So they had the capacity, this state-of-the-art system, but they weren't plugged in. They weren't tapped in. 
the way a lot of Christians live their lives. We've got the God of the universe available to us and all His power, and yet we're living on this amount of power. So I hope tonight you will be encouraged to tap into that power and realize that whatever is, whatever you're struggling with, whatever's keeping you from becoming all that God created you to be, whatever obstacle is in your way from continuing to grow in your relationship with God, that God's power is greater than that and can help you and I overcome anything and everything in our life that's keeping us from continuing to go after God. In fact, notice he gives a historical example. He says, this power was on display, verse 20, when he exercised in Christ this power, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Paul says to the Ephesians, you want to know what kind of power you have available toward you every day? It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and took him from the dead to the highest of highs. And Paul says, Ephesian Christians... Christians in Chandler, Arizona, realize that that same power that took Christ from the dead and raised Him to the highest heights is the same power that is available to you and I every day to live above our circumstances and to go after God and not allow these things to pull us down. That's the power that's available to us. Far above, verse 21, every rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Basically, Paul's saying, oh, and by the way, what that means is that everything in creation is underneath the power of God. The power of God is greater than anything else. So even when he's talking here about rule and authority and power and dominion, and many believe he's talking about the angelic realm and maybe even the demonic realm, Paul is reminding us that no demon, no demonic activity, no satanic activity, no, nothing, no one, nothing that's ever been created is more powerful than the power of God in my life. And I don't need to fear it at all. Respect, yes, but fear, no. Be defeated the rest of my life? No. Tap into the power of God. As I've shared with many of you, I struggled with anxiety for many, many years. The sad thing is, Jeff Royce had the power of God all through that time that I struggled. And it wasn't until I realized that I could tap into this power that Paul's talking about that I began to see my life change and turn around and not struggle anymore. Because the power was always there. I just didn't tap into it. I, I didn't take advantage of the privilege that I had. Paul says to the Ephesian Christians, know what is available to you. Know what resources you have so that you can be encouraged on an everyday basis. So God put all things under Christ's feet, verse 22, and gave him to the church as head over all things. Again, when God looks down upon the church, he wants to see Jesus Christ as the head. And that we as his body follows. And notice verse 23. Now the church is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. A couple things. First of all, one of the metaphors for the church in the Bible is a body. And one of the reasons why that's a good parallel is because if you take a human body 
And that body is not growing and developing. It gets sick. It suffers illness. Trust me, I know. Last week, you know. And, and, and what God wants to see is He wants our body physically to be healthy. He wants us to be emotionally healthy. He wants us to be spiritually healthy. And when God uses the body as a metaphor for the church, He says, I want my church, my people, to be healthy. To be whole. And, and the, one of the ways that we become healthy and whole is growing. If our growth is stunted, that's not good. Any more than someone has a baby and that baby stops growing and developing, there's a problem there. And the same thing is true in the body of Christ. That's why spiritual growth is so important. That's why we believe as a staff that we want to do everything we can in 2008 to emphasize spiritual growth. Because we want what God is doing here to be not just, you know, this wonderful group of people, and, and whatever, but we want it to be a healthy spiritual group of people and a whole group of people. And that last phrase in verse 23 really reminds us of the magnificence of Christ. He is the one who fills all the universe with all that it contains and needs. And it is the same Christ who is the great supplier for the church and all her needs. Christ has all the fullness of the universe. And Christ wants to share that fullness with His body. So that, notice, we are filled up. And where we are filled up to overflowing. So that not only are we full in God, in our relationship with Him, but so that we can minister to others out of the overflow of our life. It's part of the reason why in Christian circles you've heard over the years about burnout. Christians serve and they minister and whatever and they get to a point in their life where they just say, I'm burned out. And I, I've done this for too long and whatever. Well, part of the problem may be maybe you're overextended. Maybe you're involved in too much and you need to back off and that's okay. But the other problem may be that you're not ministering out of the overflow. You see, the Christian life should not be illustrated by a cup that's filled with water and then is sort of like poured out and gets lower and lower, emptier and emptier, and somehow then we think we come to church or come to a Bible study and it gets filled back up. That's not the kind of life that God wants Christians to have. God wants Christians to have the kind of life that's illustrated by a cup that's got the bottom cut out of it, and you stick that cup sideways into a flowing river, and you and I are just constantly letting the life and energy of God flow through us constantly. It's not like we're taken, being taken out of us. It's just constantly flowing through us. Filling us up all the time. All that we need. Folks, I can share with you on the authority of God's Word tonight, based on Ephesians chapter 1, that whatever you need in your life, Christ can supply. That's what he means by we are his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. If you're empty tonight, or if you know somebody that their life is empty, Christ can fill them up because he's got all the fullness of all the Godhead contained in him.
And if they'll just invite Christ into their life, Christ wants to fill them up so that they won't live one more day feeling empty. And one other thing I see, one of the reasons why it's important to let Christ be the head of the church is because Christ can strategically place different people in His body so that all the needs are met. Because Christ is the only one who knows everybody's spiritual gift and our talents and abilities. And what God wants to construct on earth, even in local assemblies like Cornerstone, is a group of people who have complementary gifts. If we all had the same gift, then we would be pretty one-dimensional. And all our church would ever do is that one thing, because that's the only thing any of us can ever do. But obviously, in a church like Cornerstone, all of you who come here, you have a different set of gifts and abilities and talents and person. And God begins to piece all that together and put it together sort of like a beautiful puzzle Because he knows exactly what Cornerstone needs and he calls people into this fellowship so that they can then maybe shore up that area that that needs a little bit of attention. Or or this area over here of ministry is is something that that someone needs and, and he knows somebody out there has a burden for that particular area and he calls them to this place so that all the areas can be covered and his body can be full as well. So don't take it lightly. That God has called you to this place. Because if He's called you to this place, and you believe this is your church home, then He wants to use you here. And there is a purpose for you being here, beyond just attending. And I hope that will encourage you. Because I know I've run into a lot of Christians over the years, God can't use me, I I don't have anything to offer God or God's people or whatever. Oh, yes, you do. And, And what... If you're in that condition, you need to do is just keep reading Ephesians chapter 1. And you need to maybe even ask some other Christians to pray for your spiritual growth so that your mind and the eyes of your heart become enlightened to what God really has for you and wants to do through you if you just make yourself available to Him. His power is incomparable. And it's not in our power that we do anything anyway. It's always in His. If Jeff Royce got up here on Tuesday night and I did what I did in my own power, I'd fall flat on my face and nothing would be accomplished. But if I get up here in the power of God, God can use it. Even a frail guy like Jeff, God can use because He can overcome my frailty and my weakness and all of that to bring glory to Him. That's how great of a God, that's how powerful He is. So we can never look at ourselves and say, no, it's, it's the greatness of God and the power of God. And Paul wanted the Ephesian Christians to just grab a hold of that truth and realize it once again. Let me go back and please follow along because I want to read this prayer one more time so that we will be left with it in our minds. And I'm just going to begin at the prayer proper in verse 17. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you spiritual wisdom and revelation in your growing knowledge of Him, since the eyes of your heart have been enlightened. 
so that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what is the wealth of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the incomparable greatness of His power toward us who believe, as displayed in the exercise of His immense strength. This power He exercised in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly realms. I hope that prayer of Paul's not only was an encouragement to the Ephesians thousands of years ago, but I hope that prayer will be an encouragement to you folks tonight as well. Guys, you're awesome. Can I just say, I just love you guys. You are awesome. If you guys have any questions for me, I'm just going to ask that you wouldn't mind coming up and we'll chat after because I want to give... Everybody, a few extra minutes to get out of here tonight. I'm going to close in prayer in just a moment so that we can get you those cards. And what you can do with those cards, take them home, bring them back Sunday, drop them in the car. The car will be out on the patio, and anyone who wants to be, a, be eligible for that, uh, at the end of 2008, you can just throw your card in the car. Let me also say this. There's going to be times throughout the year, where I'm just going to go in to all those in the mine in our database and just pull out random different names and give you an extra card to put in. So it's just going to behoove you to keep on coming because as we've said, we want to try to encourage everyone to go after spiritual growth and be part of a Bible study and all of that and anything that we can do to get you know, you guys to be faithful or get somebody else to come. That's what this is all about. And that's what we want to use it for. I will also let you know that coming up probably in a little while, we're going to have another night where everyone who comes will get one of those cards that they can put in the car and be eligible for it at the end of 2008. So guys, keep going after God and uh, have a great week. And let's pray. Lord, I just... I stand here tonight and I just am amazed at what you have done. God, just thinking about the mine. I remember months ago when we were thrilled with 70 people in the mine. 100 people in the mine. And now we're having over 400 people in the mine. And God, that's all because of you. Drawing people to this place. Exciting them about their relationship with you and about the Word of God and growing in their understanding. And God, I'm just so thankful that these folks and others on our church campus are responding to what your Spirit is doing inside of them. That is so cool to see human beings responding to the God of the universe as you speak to us. So God, I pray tonight that one of the things you would do for me is just to let these folks know who come on Tuesday night just how much of an encouragement they are to me and to so many other people. And God, that it's not just, I just come to a Bible study on Tuesday night. It's so much more than that. And God, I just pray that you would continue to help us to grow. Grow in all that we have in you and help us to understand all the riches and wealth and resources and power and everything that's available to us in Christ. And help us, Lord, not just to tap into that during really crisis times of our life, but to be able to learn to tap into it on an everyday basis where we don't live 
one minute of one day without walking in your power, in your strength, in your energy. God, go with this group tonight. Take us all home safely. Give us a great week in you. I'm going to pray for the spiritual growth of every person in this room this week and that this week, that everybody who's here tonight would sense that this has been a really good week for them and their growth with you coming up. And that they're going to be so excited to come back next Tuesday just to continue that growth process and to be encouraged once again from your word. God, excite us about what you're doing, not just in our lives, but like Paul said, I'm so thrilled to hear what God is doing in the life of the Ephesians. And God, excite us with what we're hearing happen in other parts of the world and our country and and what you're even doing around this church campus. And God, just continue to give us a tender heart that, Lord, as you speak to us, that our will would be that that would bend to your will and surrender to you because, Lord, we have come to understand That God's way is the best way. And it's not going to be Jeff Royce's way anymore or anyone else's way anymore. God, thank you for being here tonight in such a great way. And just dismiss us with your blessing, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, have a great week. We love you.